so glad you're here today. If, if you're in middle school, high school, please go to your class. Your teachers are anxiously waiting for you. I'm glad you're here today. And if you're seeing us and watching and tuning in online, God bless you for being here. As Pastor Jeremy mentioned, this is the, the last um, of our series called Hi-Fi. Hi-Fi, which is an abbreviation of what? Ooh, I love people who listen. High fidelity. Uh, it's an industry term, and it simply means replicating a sound to sound exactly like the original. And we're using that as a, our foundation for our focus of our, of our series. And I hope it's been helpful to you. Um, we're in the book of Galatians, and we're just pulling out parts that come under this topic and, and pulling out things that I believe are practical and helpful to our lives if, if we'll apply them. Um, just by way of launching, Galatians 2.20, it's not our primary text for today, so you don't have to go there if you don't want to. Um, we'll get to our primary text in a moment, but oh, such a well-known passage by the Apostle Paul where he says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it's, it's Christ who lives in me, that the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in him because he gave himself for me. And, and when you meditate, there's a verse, if you just want to take some time by yourself and meditate on a verse, that's a great verse just to pull out and think about and ask the Lord to minister his thoughts and his, his meaning and purposes just behind that verse alone. It's, it's the why of the Christian life. It's talking about a life that's not native to us. We're, we're not born this way. Um, it, it's talking about living this life that is dead, I'm crucified with Christ, that it's dead, dead to self, but yet alive, but lives a quality and existence of life that is not natural, that is supernatural. And, and we're trying to build on that concept through this series. Um, we've been talking about adjustments. If we're going to live that quality of a life, that there's some adjustments that have to be made in our lives. Um, now maybe, all right, I, I shouldn't assume that. There's some adjustments that has to be made in my life. You're probably perfect. I don't always sound like the original. I wish I did, and I'm working on it, but I don't always. Um, so we see this why of our faith, but in our text today, I want to try to unpack a little bit more of the, the how. How do we get there? How do we Im improve the quality of our sound. How do we live high fidelity lives for the sake of the kingdom? Galatians 5, um, we're just going to pull out a, a few verses and then build on them if, with God's help. Galatians 5, starting verse 16, Paul's writing, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. And if we jump down to verse 25, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. So the burden of our message today is sort of summed up in verse 25, that we, it's possible that as Christians, and this is just a self-check, that we've been made alive by the Spirit. We've been saved. We've been born again. We've been given the wonderful gift of eternal life. We have that living hope that we're going to spend eternity in the presence of our, of our Lord and our Savior. And we, so we can, we can be, have been made alive since we're alive by the Spirit. But it's also possible that even though we've been made alive by the Spirit, that we're not living a life that's in step with the Spirit. That's the journey that we're all on, to, to make the steps of our life align with the life that we've been given. So far, we've talked in, in some of these adjustments to, to get to that place. We've talked about keeping the gospel clear, the purity of the gospel, pure understanding of the gospel, and not, not getting distracted or, or um, accentuating things that, that aren't 
part of and connected to the gospel itself or adding things that make the gospel then um, distorted and, and unclear. We talked about overcoming the voice of in, intimidation. And, and today in our text today, uh, I want to pull out three more adjustments just in conclusion of our series. Okay, so let's pray and then we'll start. Father, I just pray your presence would be here among us now. Holy Spirit, you breathe this word into the Apostle Paul to write. And it carried the full life and weight of the divine living God. And your word never is diminished. So as we look into your word today, we're not reading the words or the letter of a man. Holy Spirit, I pray by your presence here with us and in us, that just as you breathe the life of this word and truth into the apostle, breathe it into our hearts, that it may bring life to us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Three more adjustments. I'll try to stay within some reasonable amount of time. I make no promises, but I'm going to try. Number one, adjust your walk. Okay, adjust your walk. Paul's going back to basics. You can't get much simpler than to talk about a walk. All right, it's one of the first things we learn. It's one of the big milestones of our growth is when we learn to stand up and, and figure out balance and all that and are able to, able to walk. You're, and your natural walk is, is very distinctive. You, you, our walk, our physical walk is similar to um, snowflakes. You know, everyone does it a little bit differently. Um, sometimes you're, you're even known or can be recognized by your walk. They call it your gait, you know, and, and it, it involves a lot of things. It, your physical, your natural walk is, is your pattern of steps. And it has to do with how you swing your arms and the heaviness of your step and the pace or tempo, the, the length of your stride, the, the, um, the bounce in your step. You ever know some people sort of bounce when they step. Others seem to float when they, when they walk, rather. And, and all that comes into making your walk your walk. There's, there's some people that, I don't know if you've ever been at home and you hear someone walking down the hall and you can't see who it is, but you know who it is, Right? How do you know that? Because you know their walk. You, you, you understand the, the sound of their steps. And, and so we're taking that now. When Paul's talking about our walk, he's not talking about physical transport. Okay, he's not talking about natural. He's talking about how we comport ourselves in life. He's talking about how we operate and how we act in life, that that, that walk is noticeable and it's distinguishable and it's unique to us, our, just as our physical walk is identifiable, so is our personal walk. There's a sound. That's what we've been talking about. There's a sound to our personal walk, to, to the quality of our life. There's, a, there's music that our lives make that others hear and read. There, there's a soundtrack of our life that's playing behind our lives. It's playing behind the words that come out of our mouths. It's playing behind our accomplishments or our goals or our dreams. It's playing behind our, our titles and our degrees and our talents and our possessions and all those different things. There's this soundtrack playing behind us. That's our walk. And that's how we ultimately get to be, what we get to be known by and what we're known as. Your, your walk is who you really are. Your walk reveals your true character. Your walk reveals your true nature. And because at the end of the day, ultimately, you're going to be known by your walk more than anything else. You're going to be known by, because character always comes out sooner or later. You can fool people for a while, but sooner or later, character rises above all the other sounds your life may be making. All right? They're, they're, and your character is what God sees, by the way. There's a couple guys in Scripture that, that really jumped out when I was thinking about that. I, talk about, I thought about Noah. In a world totally evil. But Noah found favor, grace in the eyes of the Lord. His walk stood out. 
his walk, when God looked at all the darkness of the earth, there was one little shining sparkle, the life of Noah. I thought about the man Enoch. We don't know a lot about him. But he's famous in Scripture because it says that Enoch walked with God and then he was not. He walked with God to such a point that God just took him. Never died. There's something about our walk. And in the text, we we see a contrast between two walks. There's There's a walk by the Spirit, and there's a walk by flesh. Now, unfortunately, and you already know this, but our default walk is that we walk by the desires of our flesh. That's what Paul's contrasting, helping us to try to understand some of the adjustment that we need to make if we're really going to live lives that sound like Jesus and reflect the love of the character and equality and mission of Jesus, that our default walk is to gratify the desires of our flesh. Now, we got to own that. I'm not trying to criticize you, but it's just a reality, right? We, and, we know, and we do know that about ourselves. We, we're, we're, we're born in the flesh. We, we want what we want when we want it. We, we think about ourselves first. There's some things that are just reflexive inside of us that give evidence and proof to the fact that we're driven by the desires of our flesh. It just comes so easy to us. It says that we gratify, gratify. We live a life to gratify something. And if we want to gratify the desires of our flesh, the word means to accomplish, to fulfill, to complete, to satisfy. Okay? Um, And and when we live a life for the desires of our flesh, it's a life that's governed by me. That's why we like it. We like to have our own way. Right? Come on, let's just be truthful with each other. Let's, let's, we like to have our own way. We, we like to be self-directed. We like to be captains of our own ship. Now, and, and, and our default, our natural default in us is the desires, to follow the desires of our flesh, to feed the desires of our flesh, to try to satisfy the desires of our flesh. Now listen, that doesn't make you a terrible person. Sometimes we hear a phrase, like, the desires of your flesh, and we think of these lecherous, terrible, you know, kinds of people living quality of lives that just repulses. No, it doesn't mean you're a terrible person. It doesn't mean you don't do nice things or can't do good things. It doesn't mean you don't accomplish it. It, it, it. it simply means that despite the best version of yourself, we're still prideful. We're still selfish. We're self-centered. We're egotistical. We, we want our own way. And at the end of the day, we can't help it because we're born that way. We're, we're, we walk by the flesh because we're born into the flesh. We're born with a sinful nature. We're born with the nature of Adam after he fell. From birth, the flesh was in charge. And we got used to operating and living that way. And on, if we're on our honest moments in time, we sort of like it. We sort of prefer it. Where I'm in charge. Um, it, ha- it was true of the Christians even back in Paul's day. In earlier chapters of when Paul's talking to the Galatians, he says, having begun in the Spirit, are you going to be perfected by your flesh? Y- you started this journey with the Lord, but now you're trying to walk it out in your own strength and in your own, your en- your own energy. Now, why would they be doing that? Because that's what we're used to. Because that's what we prefer, to have our way. And then it gets worse because the flesh, when we live that way, by the desires of our flesh, the flesh can't inherit the kingdom of God. The flesh is incapable of spiritual life. The flesh only knows and only desires this life. And having its way, the flesh doesn't desire to know God. Your flesh will never lead you to know God, to pursue God. Your flesh doesn't care about pleasing God. It cares about pleasing itself. The flesh doesn't, won't, won't desire to worship. The, the flesh won't desire to serve the Lord. Those don't come out of our flesh. And there's, there's nothing we can do in the flesh to gain God's approval. There's nothing we can do in the flesh that would warrant God giving us his kingdom entrusting us with his kingdom, even though he loves us. Even though he loves us, while we're following and going after desires of the flesh, God still 
loves us. And I think we ought to be thankful for that reality. And because of this truth, it's why Jesus came. It's what brought Jesus to earth. Jesus came in the flesh to rescue us from the flesh. What's the Bible say? The word became flesh. He became one of us. He came and identified with us. All the desires of the flesh, Jesus understands. And he experienced the pressure of. Didn't give in to. That's the uniqueness of Jesus. As a man, he lived a, this sinless life. He walked a perfect walk before God as a man in the flesh so that he could overcome the flesh, so that he could become an acceptable sacrifice on your behalf and on my behalf. And that walk led him to a cross, and that same walk led him to walk out of a tomb because of his sinlessness. And then he offers us the ability, the opportunity, the chance to walk a different walk. He says, if you believe in me, if you follow after me, if you commit your heart to me, I'll forgive you, I'll redeem you. And you can walk in newness of life. You can walk a new walk. You can walk a different walk. And if you know Jesus today and the Spirit of God is living inside of you, that's the walk you're on. That's the walk we're trying to perfect day by day. That's the walk we're trying to, to um, walk out in this life. So by, by faith, here's what happens. A person believes and they repent. And we say they're saved by the sacrifice and by their faith in Jesus. And, and he receives them and he forgives them and he grants them a gift of eternal life. And, and then he, he redeems them. It means he pays their sin debt through his sacrifice that God justifies the confessor. It's a, it's a legal term. means God declares us not guilty. How many are thankful for that reality? He declares us not guilty for eternity. And then he adopts us into his family. And he says, you can call me father. And we become this new creation. We have a new walk because we're a new creation. But then reality sets in. So all of this happens and we now belong to God and he gives us this new life and this new walk. But now what? See, what, what are we supposed to do and what are we supposed to be doing between salvation and heaven? That's the gap we're in right now. That, that's the period of time that we're, every one of us are in right now. What are we supposed to do between the moment he saves us and gives us a new walk and we're standing before him? And we're beholding him face to face. What, what happens in that period of time? What are we supposed to do? Is it just a holding pattern in, in which we spend our lives and our, spend our time developing careers and making money and building houses and you know, do, doing all these things? Is it, is it, a, is it a time of, just, of just, just stress and anxiety where we're doing everything we can to... Do you, you know, the testimonies I used to hear in my little Pentecostal church, oh, pray for me that I could just hold on until Jesus comes. Is that what this, this period of time is, is about and that's what our walk becomes about? Or, or is it just we're free to do whatever we want to do because, thank God, we're now under grace. And under grace, we can do anything and it's okay. And God's good with us because of his wonderful grace. No, what, what are we supposed to do between now and then? We're supposed to learn how to walk. That's the purpose of the gap. We're, we're learning how to walk. We're learning how to be the body of Christ. We're learning how to become the bride of, of Christ. We're learning how to walk away from how we used to live and walk towards the new life we have now in Christ. It's a daily walk and Paul helps us because the first question would come to our mind is, well, how do we do that? Paul says there's only one way. You know how you used to walk by the desires of your flesh? Well, now you have to walk in the Spirit. Now you have to walk by the Spirit. So you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And his instruction takes a lot of the guesswork out of living. His instruction answers some of those deep-rooted questions that we all have of, why am I here and what am I supposed to do and how should I act and all those foundational questions that life evolves around and Paul's answer is walk in the spirit instead of gratifying your flesh. That's how. 
That answers all the, it takes away a lot of the guesswork. It takes a lot, away a lot of the gray area of life. You know, we like gray areas because gray areas give us room. When, when something's obviously yes and no, we don't like that because a lot of times if we're honest, we sort of like to lean towards the fleshly side. This takes a lot of guesswork out. Walk in the spirit. That's it. Walk in the spirit. That's how you're supposed to live. A.W. Tozer says, the goal of every Christian should be to live in a state of unbroken worship. That's the Christian walk. A state of unbroken worship. Continue communion. Continue connection with the Lord through the spirit of God who lives in us. See, our Christian walk, and sometimes we've reduced it or we think of it improperly, we think of our Christian walk as a mode of transportation. Can I tell you something? Your Christian walk is not about getting to heaven. If that was the goal, the sole goal, primary purpose, prime directive in God's heart for sending Jesus and saving us, then I promise you this, the moment you got saved, you'd you'd go to heaven. Because why would God take a chance? I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust me. I wouldn't save me and trust me to live another however many years and do it right. If the goal is just to get you to heaven. Listen, if you think of your Christian faith as a mode of transportation, you're, you're missing a prime point. And, and at the end of the day, it's out of your control anyhow. When the Bible talks about our time on earth, it says that every human being has designed, pre-designed over them an appointed time. And you don't know the appointment. But it's an appointment you're going to keep. And that's all God's realm. All we know is when the time comes, we're good, right? When the time comes, we're going to be seeing him face to face. But this life, if we make it about transportation, then that's a hard way to live. It really is. It's going to be a very unsatisfying, joyless, less peace way to live your life. The Christian walk isn't about transportation. It's about transformation. It's not about getting someplace. It's about being and becoming someone in Christ. It's about looking more and more like him. It's about becoming more and more like him. The Latin word for transform is metamorphosis, which means just that. It means a complete change, a complete change of form and shape and function of being. And what does the Bible say? That if we're in Christ, the moment we are in Christ, we become a new creation, a whole new form, a whole new shape. We become a whole new being. We become something different than what we were. We become something other than just worldly, something other than just fleshly when we're in Christ. It's a life of beholding him, Paul says to the Corinthians, that we walk and we live with our eyes fixed on him. And as our eyes are fixed on him, it says that we are being transformed, metamorphosed. We're being changed, shifted in our form and our structure and our nature and our being into his image. By one degree, from why one degree at a time, one degree to another. How? By the Spirit of God. That's why we have to walk by the Spirit. Because that's how transformation takes place. That's what this walk is about. And we say, well, that's a, that's a tall order. That's a tall order. Yeah, it is. But God didn't leave us alone to do it. He, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit teaches us to walk. You can walk right because the Holy Spirit is in you. If you're a Christian today, the Holy Spirit of God resides in you. All the resource you need is there, and we can walk right. Walk by the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit, here's a simple or my simple definition of what that means, what that looks like. Walking by the Spirit is setting your gate, setting your steps to align with the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life. Setting your daily steps to align with the activity of the Holy Spirit, you know, to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, well, don't grieve him. I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. Don't grieve him. 
Don't sadden him don't, by the way you're walking. Don't walk contrary to the way he wants you to go because it grieves him. Don't quench him. That means don't extinguish. Don't suppress. Don't reduce him or minimize him in, in, in any way. It means that he, he should be our daily escort. He, he lives within us. His presence abides inside of us, and he's there to guide us each and every day. It says that he'll teach us. Let him teach you. I don't know what it, how the Holy Spirit wants me to act. Ask him. Duh. Ask him, and then listen. Look at the Word of God. Look into the Word of God that He wrote and let Him show you. Because He's a teacher. He's a comforter. Let Him let you know and confirm you. You're never alone. In the worst of moments, you're not by yourself. He guides you into truth. Seek His counsel. If He's a spirit of truth, then I want to know what He thinks about stuff. Because He's always right. So, so let's ask him to teach us. He convicts of sin. He, you know when you do stuff and you just feel that thing inside of you? That's the Holy Spirit. When it feels like flashing lights or caution, caution, don't go that way. That's the Holy Spirit trying to guide you and keep you by convicting you of sin, saying, no, that's not right. And leading us back even to a place of confession at the times we do stumble. At the times we do give in, he convicts us of sin. He reminds us of what Jesus said. How do you know if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you? Because you'll be thinking it's the words of Jesus. Because that's what he does. He calls to our, recalls to our remembrance what Jesus would say, what Jesus would do. He illuminates the word of God. He wrote the word of God so he can bring it to life in your life, in your circumstance, in your situation. Be students of the word. He empowers us, that inner strength, to walk the walk. He doesn't call us to walk something we're incapable of doing. We're only incapable of doing it in the flesh. If we do it by him, we're fully capable and empowered to live the life he's put in us outwardly. Day by day, step by step. It says he'll even put words in our mouths. He'll give us the right words to say at the right time if we lean into him. If we're trusting him, if we're relying on him. How, how, listen, how gracious and kind is it of God to give us the Holy Spirit? How, how merciful is that, that God gives us the Holy Spirit? Imagine trying to walk the Christian walk without the Holy Spirit. What if God would have said, okay, I've saved you, and now heaven is your goal do it on your own. I'll see you at the finish line. We'll see how you did. But he gives us the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Father will send the helper because he knew we were going to need lots of help. And he'll send the Holy Spirit in my name, in my stead. Paul says, number one, adjust your walk. Walk by the Spirit. A word by, that means walk by the rule of the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit of God rule in your life. Let him have his rightful place to rule in your life. We're told in other places in Scripture to be filled with the Spirit. That means, when, see, when something's full, there's no room for anything else. In fact, when something's full, even if it gets bounced around or something, it, it, it just bubbles over. It just overflows. And we're supposed to be filled and overflowing with the life of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Adjust your walk. Number two, adjust your affection. Verse 17 speaks to us of that. Adjust your affection. Paul points out very vividly the tension between the flesh and the spirit. He says very specifically, they oppose each other. And that's probably not new information for any of us. We're all aware of that opposition. We're all aware of that tension. The flesh keeps the spirit from doing the things you want to do in the spirit, and the spirit keeps the flesh from doing the things that you want to do in the flesh. Each keeps the other from gratifying its desires. And that's all happening inside of you. Those are your choices as you try to as you walk your walk in this life, as you make your sound in this earth. Both operating according to their desires, both prompting you 
and, and pushing you. The, the word desires there means lust or longings or, or covetings. I tie them all together and say these are affections. These are the things that we love. These are the things that we prefer, the things that we're attracted to, the things that we put priority on and value on. Those are the affections, and they come out of our heart. And we're driven by affections. Every one of us are driven by the affections of our heart. The Bible says in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's interesting, that word think, when, it, when it's translated out, actually means estimate or calculate. So our affections are the things that we estimate or calculate as having value in life, having worth in life, having priority in life, having, have, having importance in our life. The affections of our heart are the things that drive us because those are the things that we raise to the level of value and priorities in life. These are the things we really esteem and we walk after those affections, those desires. Oftentimes, the reason Christian life seems hard or confusing, or oftentimes the reason we stumble, is because we miss this point. We, we forget about or, or miss the concept of changing our affections. We try to walk this life, we want to walk this life, but we try to adjust our walk in the wrong way. We try to adjust our walk, number one, by just fixing our direction. We try to fix our direction, the things that we're doing. We try to adjust, in other words, we try to adjust our practice. So what do we do? And we've all done this. We, you know, we mess up in life somewhere and, and, and it really scares us a little bit or we get very introspective and repentive. And so we start changing our practice. We start adjusting our direction. Well, I'm, I'm going to now, I'm going to really start and revive my devotion time. And, and I'm really going to get back to that. And, and I'm going to plug that in my life every day. And, and I'm going to start volunteering at church. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reduce... The hours and hours I spend scrolling and, and on social media, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that and, and change the direction. I'm going to pay more attention to the content that I take in through, through music and through music or movies and all these other things. I'm gonna, and, and so we, we adjust the course of our, our direction. And, and, and times that that's not the issue. The other thing is we try to adjust our, our destination, the things we intend to do. We start adjusting our plans not just our practices day by day, but our, our plans. We, uh, and we start making promises. You, I don't know if you've ever been that. You made promises to God. I'll never do that again. I'll never go there again. I'll never act that way again. And we start making promises to change our plans. And if we're honest, those usually are very short-lived realities. That those Direction and destination, practices and plans, they, they end up oftentimes just being this cyclical conversation we have with ourselves. We, we make all the adjustments and, and then we start walking them out. But how many of you are bold enough to admit that usually by day three? Right? And it's not that direction and destination aren't unimportant. But, but our practice and our plans aren't the cause of our walk. Okay? They are, rather, they are evidence of our walk. They're outcomes of our walk. And Paul's saying something very important to us, that the only way to really change your walk is you have to adjust your desires. You have to adjust your affections. And that can only be done by the Holy Spirit of God. You can't change the affections of your heart, but he can. You can't change the desires of your heart, but he can. And when the affections of your heart are for him, even, listen, even when your direction and your destiny, even when your, your, your plans and your practices go awry, you don't change. David, with all of his failures, with all of his mess-ups, with all of his failed practices and plans, he still is known as a man after God's own heart. Why? Because even though he had betrayed his affections, his affections didn't change. His affections were real and brought him back center every time. He says, I delight to do your word. 
I delight, I desire. It's the affection of my heart to obey you. Boy, how many of us could pray that and it'd be real and it'd be true. He writes in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the flowing, for the water brook. That's how my soul pants for you, God. That's how my soul desires more of you. That's how I I long, I, I lust, I covet your presence. It's the affection of his heart. Can we say that? Because we're driven by our affections. And changing our affections only happens by walking by the Spirit. That's how it comes about. They say you can change a habit in 30 days, and you can do that by your own will. You can just grit your teeth and say, I'm going to change this habit. And you can change a habit in 30 days, but you can't change your heart in 30 days. You can't change the inner working of your very being, those, those affections, those, those lusts, those desires, those priorities. That's a work of the Holy Spirit, and it's called sanctification. It's what he puts his hands to do in every one of our lives. Paul writes to the Thessalonians. He says he's thankful for them because he says God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. How? Through the sanctification by the Spirit. Because that's how you changed. And Paul's saying to the Thessalonians, man, I see the change in your life. I see that your, your affections have changed. I see the desires of your heart have changed, and it's evident because the Holy Spirit's working in you. To the Corinthians, he says, such were some of you, but you were washed. He's talking about the life we're coming out of, our former walk. But you've been washed, you are sanctified, and you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. So the Holy Spirit is here to do. One of my favorite verses, you know, he who began a good work will be faithful to perform it. He shows up every day. And why is he there? He's there to change us, to transform us. And part of that transformation is laying open ourselves to him and let him change our deepest desires, our deepest affections, that they would align with his heart, that we would love what God loves and hate what God hates. That only comes by the spirit who's in us adjusting our affections. The third one, adjust your freedom. Adjust your freedom. Verse 18, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. That's a huge statement. When you read that statement, you say hallelujah. When you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. See, there's this foundational shift that takes place. And we have to make that shift even after salvation in our, in our minds. We, we need to let our minds be renewed by the Holy Spirit because it's only through a renewed mind that we can really grasp this truth that the governance of our life has changed. And we're, going, we're now under new management and we want to cooperate with that government. We're no longer under the law. That is huge. Paul begins chapter 5 of Galatians saying this, for freedom Christ has set us free. So stand there in that freedom. Don't submit again, which means there's the possibility that he gives us freedom to walk by the Spirit, and it's possible that we can abandon that freedom and go back to a yoke of slavery, which is called walking by your flesh and the desires of your flesh, of going back to where you came out of, even though you've been given this new freedom a new kind of freedom that only Christians know, that only Christians can experience. And it's a freedom that involves walking out of the judgment of the law. That's where we lived. We lived under the judgment of the law. When we lived under the desires of our flesh, we were just dead men walking because the desires of the flesh lead to eternal death and separation from God. But now we're free in Christ. And what are we free to do? We're free to walk by the Spirit. You couldn't do that before. We're free to walk by the Spirit. We're free to do righteousness. We're free to love unconditionally. We're free to walk uprightly. We're free to say no to sin. Did you know you could do that? 
You could say no to sin. Say, well, I'm still a human being. I can't be sinless. No, you're never going to be sinless. That ship has sailed. But you can sin less. You can conquer sin. You can overcome sin. You can say no every time. Well, how do I do that? Because you recognize, wait a minute, there's this resource inside of me. There's this power inside of me. There's a strength inside of me who's God. Let's not forget that. God, the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the power of God lives inside of me. God can't say no to sin. (laughs) Walk in the freedom that Christ can give. That's an adjustment we need to make in our thinking. That we've been given a freedom that's, that's brand new. And listen, freedom is never going to be about no rules. Freedom is never going to be about you just being able to do anything you want, anytime you want, and nobody can tell you anything about anything. That, that will, you will never be that. You will never find that place. Freedom is you get to choose whose freedom you sit under. The freedom of the flesh, which isn't freedom. It's false freedom. It's a freedom that leads to death. Or the freedom that comes by the Spirit of God, which is eternal, and gives you the ability to develop into the fullness of the design that God had in his heart in the day he created you when he created Adam. That's freedom. I'm going to ask you to stand, and Lily, if you'll come, and the worship team comes. I wasn't really sure how to end this message. And when I was spending some time with the Lord last night, I, I believe this is from the Lord. And, and as you stand, or if you're at home, if, if you want to stand, if you're comfortable with that, fine, or just sit. But, but be, be in a place of meditation. And try and dismiss anybody that's around you right now. And, and make this personal. Because I believe what the Lord told me is, I, I want to read over you a passage out of Romans 1. And, and while I read that, I, I want you to just just close your eyes if, you're, if you are comfortable with that. Bow your head. And open your heart. E- even in your, own, in your own spirit right now, just, just say, the Lord's hearing you. Just say, Holy Spirit, breathe this word in my life. Breathe it into my heart. Breathe it into my mind. And, and receive the word of God as I read it over you today. It's a well-known passage, but hear the truth of it and recognize that this is the Holy Spirit speaking to you and about you. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on that, what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile, hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit's alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, 
But it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body and you'll live because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now if we're God's children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a praise offering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Lord. I'm going to ask Bert Platt if she'd come. We want to end our time together just with a benediction over your life. We're going to do the ironic blessing. Bert's going to recite it in Hebrew because I don't know Hebrew. But she does. So just bow your heads. If you're comfortable holding out your hands to receive the blessing of God, this blessing has been spoken over generations of believers, and it carries the same power that it did on the day it was penned, penned and spoken. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you of his great peace until Jesus comes. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Have a wonderful day in the Lord.